Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode this week. This is the one about twirling. We get to talk to the amazing Cody Carter, who many of you may know from America's Got Talent. His social media is Cody the Twirler. We'll also find out what made Ashley say... Once I got the technique of like tossing a rifle or saber, I could just spin as many times as I wanted to. And why Tom said... So we should see a lot of finished productions right out of the gate this year, which is kind of cool. All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form. Check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. I am so excited about the interview we have coming up with Cody the Twirler. He is such a charismatic and energetic soul, and he has so many creative things that he goes on about in our discussion that is just fantastic. It's so cool also to hear how his art and his sort of relation to marching arts has been able to carry over and take him into the world of America's Got Talent and being able to perform on TV. And we get to hear more from our new host, Ashley. Everything you may or may not know about twirling, because that's her jam. Let's check in and see who's on staff on the sidelines this week and who's ready to take the long granger first. Uh, Tom, why don't you start us off? Hello from not so sunny California. Oh, boo. <laughs> boo hoo. It's a, it's a rainy Wednesday, but you know, we got more than enough sunshine, so. I'm sure it'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's supposed to be nice tomorrow, so. Hey, Trevor. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm sitting here in windy North Carolina. Um, <laughs> the weather's beautiful. Uh, the, sem- the semester is wrapping up for a lot of folks here, not only on our campus, but across the country. As students finish their courses, their final exams, and prepare for the summer, you can feel the summer marching band vibes and preparation already Ooh. happening. It's very, very exciting times. I'm seeing lots of DCI audition camps all over social media lately. Oh, man, it's great. Uh, Steven and Ashley are over prepping the twirlers and the drum line for their feature today. So they'll be over here in just a second. But before we get too deep into rehearsal, uh, let's start with a little gush and go time right up front. We have sort of gush and go from Cindy today. So we're going to go ahead and start with her. Hey friends, it's Cindy. I'm currently on the road, literally, which is why it's probably noisy in the background. My husband is a Walmart truck driver, and right now I am enjoying being out on the road with him. I don't know why, but that sound never gets old. Anyway, I'll be taking a little time off from the podcast and spending some time with friends and family. But don't worry, I'll still be active on my Leander Mama Instagram page, and I'll be right back here on the podcast by the time DCI gets underway. I've already got my tickets for San Antonio in July, and I can't wait to see what my favorite drum corps have planned for this season. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about that, too, so stay tuned. Have a great summer, everyone, and be sure you wave at those Walmart trucks. 
you never know who might be waving back. that's awesome oh my god our friendly band mom traveler i love it cindy is such an amazing person i'm glad that she gets to spend some time with her family on the road but still staying committed to the podcast and getting you out um information uh, that you all need to know from our our regional band mom oh cindy she's so great Uh, safe travels to cindy and her husband I love her. I just went him like honking that horn. I was just cracking up. Ah <laughs> uh, man, I hope she has so much fun, Cindy. If you're listening, I hope you have so much fun on the road with your husband. We are very excited that you're going to be back in just a few weeks. And I mean, we're getting so pumped up for DCI time. Oh man, Trevor, why don't you start us off with gush and goes today? Great transition. Great transition. I'm excited about. I want to gush about two things. Uh, first of all, I'm very excited to be wrapping up my my second year here at Western Carolina University, and um, and and the students really just racing towards the finish line and doing such a great job. It's great to see the future music educators of America uh, going out there and and doing great work and with the positive attitude. Um, I'm also want to gush about how the podcast just completed its 25th episode, which is available. Uh, on all streaming services. Go check out that 25th episode of On the Water Break. And lastly, we're about two months from our very first drum corps show. Two months from our very first DCI show. Wow. It's going to be exciting. As you said, drum corps April camps just wrapped up and they're super excited and um, very, uh, uh, very excited to uh, showcase their talents and their skills. I'm really, really happy about that. So those are the things I want to gush about. Yeah, that should be exciting. I mean, drum corps, I mean, we're really not going to see the first show until, like, what, July? So we should see a lot of finished productions right out of the gate this year, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Is that your gush for today, Tom? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, it is summertime is coming, and the gush is definitely drum corps. But I got to gush about WGI one more time. The amount of California groups that placed, that made, you know, finals or yes. semifinals. We had a fantastic uh, winter season out here. So I'm still gushing about that. <laughs> I, I'm i going to make a gush about uh, Winter Guard, too. So nice transition back to me because we just had our um, staff meeting for our 2024 Spintronics Winter Guard competition team so we are planning coming back to the uh the competition circuit locally at least next year uh with our i I don't want to say new director because she's technically been the director now but this will be her first time directing a competition team since we did a community team this last year and uh, we did a lot of community performances we've had a lot of interest drumming up for being on our team and auditions are going to start for us the first weekend of October. So we're really excited to get that rolling and get Spintronics back on the floor for competitions. Yes. It's going to be so much fun. And I'm just, I'm just excited that I, it's going to be like everybody else running things and I can just be show up and say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Finally to that point. Position. Yeah. Well, good good luck with that. You, you got you guys go out there and support Spintronics and the amazing team. Best of luck to you, you and the rest of the team members and the the performers, Cindy. Way to go! 
For sure. Thanks. Well, let's throw it over to Steven for his gush and go. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. I'm actually really excited. Right when I get off of work tomorrow, I am going down to Wildwood, New Jersey for TIA's Atlantic Coast Championships. It's the last weekend of indoor drumline of the year, two weekends after Dayton. A bunch of different high schools, uh, small independent groups go compete right on the beach in New Jersey in the, the, the Wildwood Convention Center. They used to do WWE SummerSlam in that venue. So it's legit. And I'm going to go. I'm just going to be hanging with friends, watching some drums. It's going to be a fun time. And uh, who knows, maybe see a listener of the show there. In the meantime, though, Ashley, what's your gush and go this week? I want to gush and go about the new show that we're going to have, which is On a Water Break in Rhinestones with host Lexi Duda. She is one of the greatest twirlers of all time. She's a world champion. I can't even count how many times she's won a gold medal ever since she was little up until just recently when she had um, retired. So she is definitely one of the greatest faces of twirling, and she has so much to offer for the activity. Um, and I think she's going to do an amazing job with this podcast. And I'm so excited for her to interview um, different twirlers and different teams um, so that we can learn more about the twirling world. I feel like we're so closed off from everybody else. It's like such a separate scene. So I'm really excited for everyone to get to know what it's like to be a twirler. Okay, Ashley and Steven look like they are ready to take over this water break. So I am handing the Long Ranger mic over to them. Take it away. Thanks, Jackie. The drumline and the twirlers are ready to show off what they've been working on. But while they grab some water, we have Ashley joining us as our new twirling host. And uh, she was quite literally born into the twirling activity with both of her parents still to this day judging uh, twirling and supporting the marching arts. Uh, She'll be joining us to give us a bit of a deep dive into the world of twirling. So, Ashley, talk to our listeners a bit about the normal journey of a twirler and maybe how it's different than most band or color guard experiences. So I think most twirlers either start off in like a recreational class or like they start at a dance studio and then they offer like a baton class once a month or something like that. Okay. Um, So is it like the slippery slope that leads into (laughs) twirling? I think so. I think that's how most people's stories are. I don't think a lot of people... Well, I think maybe some kids are like, oh, my mom twirled when she was little, so she put me in a class and something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't have that kind of experience. Like like you said, I was born into it. Jeremy is actually my cousin, the producer of the show. So he was in the same group. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it literally runs in the family. He's the one who, like, got me into this color guard thing at some family reunion, he Aww. showed up with the flag and was like, hey, you want to learn how to do a 45? I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's taught me and, and showed me a lot. But um, as far as twirling. It's interesting. He's been putting together the family business, essentially. He really has. He's been trying to get us <laughs> on this, like, twirling, color guard, podcast, guard closet, like, all the things. So it's finally all coming together. <laughs> Um, yeah he's certainly the man with the plan um would you be able to give us a general overview of twirling from a competitive standpoint as i understand it unlike color guard or percussion where the end goal is to go to wgi or maybe dci uh twirling has more than one main circuit yes so there's um what i think 
a lot of people do is NBTA. It's National Baton Twirling Association. Um, okay. There's also USTA, which is United States Twirling Association. There's TU, which is Twirling Unlimited. Um, there's DMA, which I forget what that stands for. Um, <laughs> WTA is World Twirling Association. But most of the like bigger circuits, I think, are... USTA and NBTA. The main difference is like the allowance of gymnastics. Um, okay. So NBTA, you don't have any gymnastics and USTA gymnastics are allowed. Um, so would you say that NBTA and USTA are the two largest and the main difference there is the allowance of yeah. gymnastics? I think so. And there's also a difference, I think, between like the technique, the importance of technique um, USTA has these things called compulsories. So you're doing like the most basic skills as perfect as possible. And you get judged yeah. on that. Like that's a part of the competition aspect in USTA where NBTA is more about like the artistry and like the, I don't know, like how much twirling can you fit in or how many spins or illusions can you fit under a toss? I feel like it's okay. turned into like a, powerhouse kind of twirling instead of like graceful and artistic like usta is um and then there's tu which is kind of like an umbrella for everybody so they allow everyone and anyone to do whatever the, their routine is and just compete that routine so they don't have to change their routine yeah, so there are more different, like, design standards kind of in twirling, whereas in Color Guard, everyone kind of has to fit the same, like, mold of what they're trying to do to some extent. Um, at right. least, like, you're going to be adjudicated on everything as one holistic unit, whereas in twirling, you can kind of specialize towards what type of performance you like to do. Right, and... So it's it's different, like with the design aspect and and the technique aspect. Um, so, and there's different levels, like in NBTA World Championships. I think the standard is a lot lower than like the USTA World Championships, because like mm -hmm. Japan, Japan is a part of the USTA, and they are like amazing, and their twirlers used to be in Amachi the color guard group. Okay. So yeah, I would yeah. like see the USC twirlers that were in worlds and I would see Amachi. I'm like, Oh, I know them. <laughs> I'm like, they won. <laughs> That's cool. I wish Amachi would come out again sometime soon. I hope they get back over I here. I know. Yeah. It was, it's so funny watching them in at like W giant Dayton because they would literally just throw the baton up like as high as they could and they wouldn't do anything under it. And people would go absolutely <laughs> nuts. I'm like, they just did a toss. They didn't even do a spin or illusion. They, like, throw it across the entire room. <laughs> yeah, you don't even need to be, like, a banned person. I think anybody watching that would just be like, whoa, <laughs> like, what, what is going on out there? I remember seeing them as a freshman, and it just seemed like they would toss it, like, into the rafters, and it would just, like, disappear up there for a bit. But they'd always catch yeah, it. Always comes down. And, yeah, they're a lot lighter than, like, sabers and rifles, so you can do a lot more under a baton than a rifle or saber or flag in my opinion right because it's okay it can be up in the air for so much longer 
Is that like also due to the weighting of it? Like, is it easier to get the momentum and really toss it since it's heavier at the ends rather than being like uh, uniform weighted throughout? Yeah. Or? Yeah, I mean, it's, so there's a big end and a little end, but they don't okay. really have, like, that much difference of a weight. Like, color guard, you put bolts in the end of the flag, or, like, the saber has, like, one side that's heavier than the other. Yeah. It's not yeah. really like that. So that's why we have to twirl, like, in the center of the baton at pretty much all times, or else it can it can get crazy. Like, you, uh, you can get points taken off from your routine if you twirl, like, towards the end of the baton rather than the center because you're releasing from the end. Hmm. Okay. Um, speaking on teams and things like that as well, most people know that independent groups and scholastic groups compete inside or, or outside, at, usually at different levels, and that's determined by the skill, the design, even the size of the group plays into it for color guard and percussion. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that work in the twirling world? Uh, how big are groups? Are there solo competitions? How do they normally compete? So there are individuals and there are teams. There's also like different core groups as well. Um, so individuals, there's, I talked about this last podcast. There's um, like a pageant portion in NBTA um, where it's modeling, strut, and solo. So modeling is either like in a costume or like in a, almost like a prom dress or like ball gown sort of. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also strut, which is like a dance slash gymnastics routine almost, but you can't release the baton. So you have to do all these intricacies like between the legs, over your head, in your arms, all of that stuff. So that has a lot to do with timing um, Okay. because it's set to March music. So it's like stars and stripes forever on repeat and like, all of those kinds of songs. So every time I is hear that... like a Memorial Day commercial or Fourth of July, I am instantly triggered. <laughs> <laughs> is that more popular, like in the circuit that's based more on like fundamental skills and things like that? Uh, it's because I know at least actually... in the drum corps world, where you get more like military based, tends to be where you're more like focused on fundamentals and like really clean execution. So yeah. tell me more. It's not like that in twirling. In, so in strut in NBTA, it's, I mean, it's, it's sort of militaristic, but not really. It's more artistic. Like there's okay. a specific part to strut where you have, so there's usually five legs. It's like an X, it's called X strut. So in each leg, you have four march steps at the beginning of the leg to like indicate you're starting the new, um, part in the strut. So I guess mm. that's the only really militaristic part. Um, and they yeah. also do a salute at the beginning and the end of the routine. So I guess, I guess that's kind of an homage to the military. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, if you go back far enough, it's, it's military somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there's also, um, solo, which is just one person, um, they can toss the baton, they can do illusions, spins, a bunch of different like low contact flips and rolls. Um, there's horizontal sections as well as vertical sections. Um, and then individuals next would be duet. So it's kind of okay. like a solo, but just two people. Um, and then there are trios in some places. Um, it's not super common though. Um, and then what did you compete in? 
I did individuals and teams. Um, okay. I used to do some core, like with my parents' group. Um, but teams, there's twirl team and there's dance twirl team. So twirl team is like you're just showing the fundamental, like basic skills of 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 the team. So we would just drill certain sections like every day of practice, like a bajillion times. And then mm -hmm. dance twirl is more of like the artistic side of things. So you don't have to have as many tricks or as many like uh, fundamental basics, I guess. Um, so twirl team is usually a little bit more boring because you have to do it to the mm. like stars and stripes forever music. Okay. But dance twirl was always my favorite because it was... I was actually not really great at portraying emotion in my twirling. I got better at it once I got into color guard, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, it took me a very long time as a as a drummer to figure out how to do anything at all, like performing or emoting, right. like telling a story with your face and your body. Um, yeah, I feel like it's so much more difficult. I felt like that, especially because I was a bass drummer, and it's like, I play 20% of the notes as they come to me. Like, how am I supposed to, like, <laughs> like act like this is very sad or very happy? Like, I am I am literally just drumming. <laughs> but, um, but eventually, they, they kind of, you have to. You learn to do it eventually. It's, uh, do you think that there were other skills from Color Guard that made you a better twirler or vice versa? I think... So starting out with twirling and then switching over to color guard, I mean, I still did twirling, but like having the ability to know how to do the spins and the illusions already really helped. Cause once I got the technique of like tossing a rifle or saber, I could just spin as many times as I yeah. wanted to. And like, mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about like the, the trick itself. I was in, um, Delager university of Delaware indoor guard in 2018 and I had a solo where I did a toss and then I did a two turn. And I was like, okay, this is pretty easy. Normally at that time, people would be like, a two turn is easy. What are you talking about? And I said <laughs> to my coaches, I was like, do you think I could add a third one? The two is really feeling easy for me. And they're like, are you serious right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you just had a different base of experience there. And it makes yeah. sense too that it like a lot of the body awareness and like coordination things dance would be very translational and all you'd have to do is just like get familiar with the physical equipment that you were going to switch to yeah because doing a two spin or three spin is considered like a pretty basic skill in twirling that's like a mm -hmm. beginner to intermediate skill so like in advance yeah. which is what i had eventually worked my way up to we were doing like four and five spins and double illusions. Some people are doing triple illusions. It's mm -hmm. so it's really interesting to see like what the advanced skills are in twirling versus what they are in color guard. Because yeah. you can when just you... do one illusion in color guard and everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I only <laughs> did one. <laughs> You're like, oh, children, you don't know. Um <laughs> Is there, you said that there was beginner, intermediate, advanced. Does that kind of correlate to like the A class, open class, world class, like yeah, system I would, from? I think so. There's, there's okay. also novice. And then in, at some competitions, there's elite. 
So okay. sometimes there's four categories, sometimes there's five. Um, but yeah, I think like A, open, and, and world is probably like a good uh, comparison. But in individuals, you like, for I'm sorry, for color guard, like to move up, you either reclass yourself or like you uh, have to like win a certain amount like at, at WGI and then you get bumped. In twirling, yeah. you have to have a certain amount of wins to move up into every division. Mm. I mean, you can reclass yourself, but usually so it's like an you have to wait. Logistic system, you have to like work your way up through. Right. Usually. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, all this was pretty cool to hear about, and it's actually going to be a great lead into the next bit that we're doing on the show here. Uh, we got to have a great discussion with Cody Carter. Um, who, if you if you've ever met him, do you know Cody, or are you familiar I with do, his yeah. social media? Um, I think I we I remember talking to him at the World Championships in 2015. So he was, I mean, we were both like children, but he's <laughs> yeah. grown into such a unique twirler. Like back then, mm-hmm. he was still like pretty traditional in what he did, but the way that he's incorporated like hip hop and different kind of dance moves into his twirling is something the twirling world has never seen before. I think. Yeah. That was what I thought was cool. Getting to talk to him was like, he was very artistic and deliberate in like that. He wanted to do different things and that um, he felt like he was making a unique, like push forward in the edge of the activity over there. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Cool that you guys actually got to meet before. Um, But drumline and twirlers, you guys get back out on the field off uh, out there, get ready to show off what you've all been working on. We will be back and we will be with Cody in just a bit. Hey, this is Christine Ream and Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. All right, guys, I am fangirling today over our next guest. Cody Carter is a 21-year-old baton twirler from Phoenix, Arizona. He has been twirling for 14 years already. He is currently a student in the Barrett Honors College at Arizona State University, and he is the feature twirler for the ASU Sun Devil Marching Band. Since Cody began twirling at the age of seven, he has competed in three WFNBTA World Baton Twirling Championships in Switzerland, Italy, Norway and the Netherlands. 
He is a four-time WFNBTA world champion baton twirler, earning four gold medals in Italy, Norway, and the Netherlands. Cody's favorite twirling experience, however, was when he competed on season 11 of America's Got Talent and made it to the final 80 contestants out of the 24,000 that initially auditioned. Please welcome to the show, Cody Carter. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Excited to get into this and kind of share some of my experiences and seems like the perfect place to do just that. Yeah, absolutely, Cody. And we're going to get right into that in a minute. First thing that we always do with all of our guests is something we call your life story in 32 counts. Gives you about 30 seconds to just run through and fast forward everything you want us to know about you. You feel ready? I'm ready. All right, let's get in it. Yeah, so I started twirling at the age of seven years old. It's kind of a funny story the way I even got into baton twirling. Um, my parents are both golf instructors, and they take me to the golf course. And instead of hitting golf balls, I realized I like to twirl my seven iron better. So twirling <laughs> golf how I got started. My, my mom saw what I needed. She got me a baton. She found me a coach. And basically the rest is history from there. And from that point on, I've uh, been able to take the time playing not only the competition world, but also the uh, entertainment field. And that's kind of my life story. Yeah, I'm definitely going to want to hear about how you were able to turn sort of twirling and what was an activity and an art for you into like a big entertainment kind of enterprise. Um, but could you tell us a little bit about how you first got started then? Was it with a school program initially? No, so um, yeah, basically once I got um, the my the funny thing is my mom she had a baton when she was a kid and she she, she didn't like compete but um, she played around with it and she she knew exactly again what I needed so she found me a baton and then we looked for a, a local coach in our area and I basically got started um, taking private lessons for just baton twirling and the interesting thing was um, the coach was telling me at the first lesson I was doing tricks already that like are like first and second year tricks for people for people that are just starting to do baton twirling. So it's like a, I felt like it was kind of like um, I had this skill set like within me and um, I kind of found it. So that was the coolest thing. So, yeah, I just started from private lessons and then really just started kind of perfecting it and working on it myself. And that's kind of how I got started. OK, first of all. Oh, go, I have to say, I have to throw in there, go mom, because like, that's something, you know, like she could have totally went the other direction and been like, oh no, I want, I want you to learn golf. I want you to, you know, she could have really like hammered that home. And like, she instead was supportive of you and got you what you needed. And like, the other thing is, is like, you have developed this style that's like, all your own so like what are some of the influences like do you watch different types of dance or what like what influences the style of how you create your performances yeah so um going back to when i was on uh, america's got talent in the the second round um i had to kind of i felt like i had to innovate on my my act and my twirling and to do that i started looking um outward into like uh dance culture music culture just to see what you know what can i add and mix in with my existing art form of baton twirling and add on to that and at the time um shuffling was a really big 
um, movement at the time, Ooh, shuffling yeah. the dance style. Yeah. So I kind of was watching that and I, I picked up a couple of moves on that and put it with the baton. And that was kind of like the aha moment when I was like, okay, I'm doing this baton twirling stuff, but now I'm like adding in these dance moves to it. So from there, um, I always did some dance moves and stuff in my twirling, but then I really started refining it actually during the pandemic. Um, I was like, okay, what if I was able to, I always had this passion for this obviously baton twirling. And now I have this newfound passion that I've kind of always done, but never really explored it in this sense of like uh, mixing dance with the baton twirling. So yeah, during that time, um, I, I started watching uh, a lot of like street dancers and dancers on Instagram because so many people were sharing their dance at yes. that time. So um, just even TikTok too. I mean, there was stuff all over TikTok at the time. Dance was huge at that point on the app. So I started basically um, watching these dancers and influencers, and I basically self-taught myself all these dance moves. And the, the big dance style that stuck out is this um, footwork style uh, called Memphis Jookin, and it's a hip-hop mm. footwork-based yeah. style. And that uh, made so much sense to me because it was like, okay, this is stuff that they're just doing stuff with their feet mainly. It's like footwork stuff. So I was like, yeah. okay, I can take – what I'm already doing with the baton and my hands and my whole upper body. And now I can do start doing stuff with my feet. So it's like totally separated, but now it's like this multi-dimensional, very dynamic um, art form of like, I'm dancing mainly with my feet and then twirling up here, my hands and my upper body. And that was the big thing for me. It was like, okay, this, this, this is like it. This is like my style. This is like my flow. And it's really, it's awesome to watch, man. Um, what would you say the response was both from people in the audience and maybe people that like judge or kind of handle the activity in that way? Sure. Um, the response has been overwhelmingly um, really positive. Uh, it's funny. Some people come up to me now and they'll say, were, were you, a, were you a dancer first or were you, are you, were you a baton twirler? It's, it's, and that's like, like that's like the, the biggest compliment to me because um yeah the dance is something i almost i've kind of like self-taught myself how to do that and um i think it's so cool to be able to bring that up to the level of my um existing like baton twirling skills that i've been refining since i was young so the the response has always been really great and they just they really appreciate my goal always is kind of to like take every element of the music every beat every note and like provide a visual element to that and that's what I think that the dance um, mixed with the twirling helps me do that so well because you can really get intricate with the movements and really bring the music to life. So the, the reaction has been um, really positive and it's just uh, that's one of my favorite accomplishments is just um, hearing that reaction and just knowing that this art form I kind of created uh, is being received well. Do you have any students you're teaching your art form to like in person or online or anything? Yeah, so over the years, um, I've done some uh, video instruction where I've kind of talked about my theory a little bit with it on some platforms. I've also um, even taught some dance groups locally. Um, they've asked to kind of get some um, tips on how I'm doing my dance style, but also some baton stuff, and then how I'm kind of mixing them together. And uh, I kind of, when I do teach people uh, about what I'm doing, uh, I kind of preface it as, I'm trying to teach you my ideology of mixing the two art forms together. And that kind of gives the blueprints to how you could take you, even your dance style and, and mix it with, with other art forms. So I have had a little bit of experience kind of teaching my, uh, my ideologies. 
And it, it's clear that the ideologies, they work, they're cool. People must really like them. You made it all the way up to the top 80 when you competed in America's Got Talent. Could you bring us through like maybe what it was like auditioning and then your experience being on that show? Yeah, um, that was a really great experience. I was um, a freshman in high school at the time. I was 14 years old. So, wow. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was pretty young. So, to, um, and it was just incredible. I mean, to, to, to go on that show and to, to see all the behind the scenes of it, to, to meet all the people that are on it, these crazy talented people and hear all their stories. Um, it was incredible. And, uh, just the fact my, my goal is always to kind of inspire people. And also my goal is to promote the sport of baton twirling. So I felt that, you know, getting the opportunity to, uh, kind of show baton twirling to the world on like the biggest stage in America was something I didn't take lightly. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was just so glad to, to be able to show people baton twirling and, uh, show it, show it to them and just hopefully inspire people. So it was an, an incredible experience. Yeah, absolutely. It really does seem like it. I, I always was hoping that I'd get to see like a drum line cause that's what I come from. Yeah. Go up and perform out there, and then just now, finally, we're gonna have a drumline competing Ooh. on America's Got Talent. So I, I want to see. I'm hopeful they that. can do maybe as well as you did. Get up yeah. there, but that's a tall task. There's a lot of talented people out it's, there. It's hard. I know there was a Black Watch Color Guard audition several years ago, and and oh, like really? it was yeah, it was crazy because they weren't actually like they didn't make it to the show, but like they were in the background of a bunch of the audition video shots. So you see these people walking through with like their, their full on flag bags and they're like carrying sabers around and stuff. And then it's like, when are they going to perform? And then they, they never did. So yeah, it's tough. Like just for you to get on that show. Like, like I said, I'm fangirling because that's amazing. And at 14, you said, Oh my gosh. I I don't, I don't even remember it being that long ago. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. feels like yesterday. It's crazy. What's something that happened behind the scenes of America's Got Talent that you didn't expect, like that you didn't know going into it? Yeah. So um, kind of like you mentioned, like the, the, the groups in the, like the open call auditions um, where like your color guard group you mentioned was auditioning. Um, there's like so many people. I mean, that's where you see all those big shots of like, there's like thousands of people in a room. But when you get to like that first audition, each show only has like, a dozen contestants in it. So it's like they fit, we do so much media and interviews. It's like every second, like you, before I go perform, I'm like trying to get in the zone usually, but here it's like, Oh, come talk to this, come talk to this contestant and talk about how you're feeling nervous about going out to see the judges. Um, Oh, we want to get you over here. Um, get a shot of you dropping your baton before it to make it look like you're, uh, questioning your ability. It's just kind of funny things like that. And, um, there's so many, um, interviews and um, media moments that they only use two percent of all the footage they take. So that's wow. always the, that's always one of the big behind the scenes um, kind of tidbits I tell people is that you do all these shots and you spend all this time um, kind of on camera with them, and then they only use two percent of all of that makes it to the actual show. Yeah, that makes it sound like it'd be hard to stay on your game, like you'd be getting distracted or you'd be overthinking it. The last thing I would be is comfortable. Right. And that's why it's just so important to, you know, I trained uh, so hard for that. And um, that's just where yeah, you kind of have to be on top of your game and just know that um, the rea- you have to be prepared for the reality part of it, you know, and that's, that's what they want mm-hmm. is these interviews and these 
these sound bites. And um, so, yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience, but uh, I'm glad it all uh, went well in the end. It totally did. It's it's really cool to get to talk to you and hear a little bit behind the scenes about that whole experience. Um, but anyway, on this show, we always do this game with our guests that we have on. It's called March Teach Cut, and I get the feeling that things might be a little different uh, for your sport compared to the like drumline and color guard people that I normally am speaking to. <laughs> but if you were to march or kind of do anything in that end, what would you kind of march or perform? Yeah, so if I kind of took it like in a new direction of maybe like where I want to like perform, um, some of my performance goals, a long-term goal of mine is to uh, twirl for Cirque du Soleil. Um, oh, that's okay. the, our family is huge Cirque du Soleil fans. Um, my brother is actually a projections technician for the Michael Jackson One Cirque du Soleil show in Las wow. Vegas. So wow. we all we all grew up um, watching Cirque du Soleil shows in, in Vegas and the ones that came through um, Arizona and just seeing that level of performance and, and seeing the art they get to make every night um, is something I definitely want to be a part of. Um, something I also definitely want to do performance-wise is um, I really enjoy twirling like at uh, music festivals I've been doing recently, and I think it'd be really cool to go like uh, on tour or twirl for like a DJ or a band um, mm-hmm. and kind of and be like that 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 visual aspect to the music, and that's where I'm kind of you know doing the baton twirling and the dance moves, and I'm kind of the, serving as the visual aspect to bring out um, every note, every beat. Um, and just kind of create a cool atmosphere. Yeah, totally. It's like you're taking all the marching arts and stuff that we talk about all the time, and you're just like putting it in the real world, doing it with the big artists. Getting to be a part of Cirque du Soleil sounds uh, Cirque du Soleil sounds amazing. By the way, like I was not can imagining that as an answer. When you get on there, like when you get on Cirque du Soleil, can you just send the like when they when there's like oh you get so many free tickets so you, let's just send them to the water break cast. Um, absolutely, absolutely. We'll broadcast it from there. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it live. That sounds great. There you um, go. <laughs> if you could, uh, I don't know how you want to adapt teach, but if you could teach something anywhere, what would it be? Yeah, so maybe like teaching wise, um, I would encourage like people in the baton twirling world. I, I want to see baton twirling mixed like with other art forms. Um, I think would be really cool. Or like even through collaboration, um, there is a, um, a Japanese baton twirler um, named Issei on Instagram who's had some, he's really popular, um, had a huge TikTok following and Instagram, and he's kind of done some stuff. I just saw a post with him the other day with like a, a basketball freestyler. So it's like someone doing dance and break dancing with um, like spinning basketballs and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I think the big thing in the baton world would be like collaboration, I think, which could help definitely like advance the sport and get mm-hmm. it in front of uh, more people's eyes. And then, yeah, just mixing with other art forms. I've kind of mixed the hip hop dance um, styles with baton twirling. And I think it'd be cool. It, it'd be cool to just see that in like a different um, direction and just see like kind of what people could come up with. Yeah, no, that would be really cool. Uh, I would love to see like all sorts of different music or, what if I where did you see the basketball thing? I want to go look that one up after we get out here. Actually, <laughs> um, you say his Instagram page. Um, he just did that like pretty recently, so I'm sure if you go to um his Instagram, it, it's probably up there in the recent posts. Uh, okay, so great. The... I will definitely be checking it out. Um, if you had to cut something from the sport and just get rid of that trend or whatever, what do you think it would be? Yeah, it's funny. Right before the show, we were kind of talking about um 
this trick, these this trick called illusions um, in baton, and it's just get, it's kind of getting into the color guard world now. And um, Jackie said to it's me, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> the irony of that is, I kind of agree. Um, I, I think it's done so much. Um, it's done. It's done so many times in the routine. I mean, you might see like six different illusion tricks in one routine, and like a competition routine in baton twirling. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like every other trick in the baton routine, like all the other like elements like rolls, and we call them like horizontal pattern stuff and vertical and like contact material, all that stuff. If you, if you do the same trick twice, you're almost like penalized for that in the routine kind of how like the uh, routine content uh, mm-hmm. caption. And but illusions, you just see them done so much over and over and you don't see any penalty for that. So that's the one thing that I would kind of like to see changed is just some more uh, original uh, big aerial tricks. And they're hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, they're impressive when people do them. But seriously, like, there are more things that you could do. (laughs) I agree with you. (laughs) I think Cody knows that all too well. Seems like he's very aware of all the different things you could do with the baton. For sure. Um, Yeah, let's talk. uh, Near the end of these interviews, I always like to ask where our guests can, what's their favorite video and where our listeners could go to find it. What do you think is your favorite video of you performing? I think, I think my favorite video of me performing was um, the video of my 2022 World Championship uh, Rhythmic Twirl performance, uh, the finals, where I took a silver medal home from this past World Championships in the Netherlands. And um, the reason I think that's my favorite is because that was the, the first Rhythmic that I, I choreographed um, basically all myself and it was kind of like the culmination of this whole new dance style with the baton that I've mixed together and putting that basically into a competition setting for the first time. And I, I think just to, to be able to do that um, and kind of create this thing where it's this competition routine, but it's, it's also my, my, what I do in my performances. That was a real kind of pinnacle moment in my baton twirling mm-hmm. career. And so that, that's definitely the video that I would uh, say is my favorite. And you can just find that by going on YouTube and typing in, um, Cody the Twirler, Baton Twirling World Championship Rhythmic Final. Great. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll for sure be looking it up. And I'm sure it must be so gratifying to go and feel like you really made the art your own. And then you get to go and put it out there in like a world championship venue. Congratulations for that. Thank you so much. So I'm I'm already following you because, like I said, I'm your biggest fangirl. Uh, but where can the rest of our listeners go flock to your socials? Yeah, so every everything is at Cody the Twirler um, on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, YouTube, whole nine and yards. C O D Y the Twirler, all right. one word. So guys, make sure you get over there. Um, you have quite a few Instagram followers. I don't feel like you have the deserved number of TikTok followers. Like we need to multiply your TikTok following by about ten. So everybody, please go over there and follow on TikTok, especially because. Definitely uh, uh, need to get that up there. <laughs> thank you so much, Cody, for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you, Cody. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you guys so much. This has been so much fun, and it's great to get to know you and get to talk to you. Um, what we're going to do now is everybody's going to get back out on the rehearsal field, all the twirlers, and uh, how about that saber line, too? Let's get you guys over with Cody so you can pick up some of those uh, tricks, and uh, we'll see you guys on our next water break.
Hi everyone, it's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, the host of the Marching Roundtable podcast, and the creator of MarchingArtsEducation.com. I've just um, taken a little water break here, and I thought I would share some information about what's going on at the Marching Roundtable. But first, I want to say, wow, congratulations to everybody for the incredible, great, successful work and season we just had in the indoor activity this winter. Wow, all the stuff that happened in Dayton was really inspiring and exciting. It was great to see your passion on display. Thank you for all your hard work, whether you're a designer, a director, instructor, performer, parent, support person. All these people make the activity happen, and wow, are you impressive. Now, here's my thought for you today. Make sure you take some time to rest. That's right. Right now, people are jumping right back into auditions for the fall or getting ready for drum corps. You know, the cycle just keeps on going. But I want to tell you, make sure you're taking some time at the end of this momentous season to rest, to reflect, take long weekends, take evenings off. If you're like me, sometimes I just have to schedule that on my calendar. I'm not going to work on this night. I'm going to take some time and do something, hopefully I'd like to say, that doesn't have anything to do with the marching arts activity. Just enjoy some time off. Rest. Take care of yourself. Because we'll very soon be jumping right back in. You need to be rested healthy, uh, mentally ready for everything that's about to happen. So take some time. I promise you'll be glad you did. This week at the Marching Roundtable Podcast, we have another in our series called Three Things I Wish I'd Known When I First Started Teaching. This is Gene Monterostelli, who's a very important visual judge in the, in the earlier years of Drum Corps International, now is working with drum majors in a very significant way at DCI. You'll love hearing about things he wished he had known when he first started teaching way back when with the Troopers. And also, next week's podcast is focusing on education and a competitively driven activity. This is two really smart folks from Southwind Drum and Bugle Corps talking about how they have a successful season with their students, focusing on education and helping those students grow, while, of course, being in the middle of competitive activity and wanting to do very, very well. And don't forget, there was a recent podcast with the crew from On a Water Break that I think you'll really enjoy. And one more thing, watch for a webinar coming up on May 24th with Ron Vereen talking about grant writing for not-for-profit arts groups. Jeremy, thanks for including me. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Cody, for joining us. He was such a delight to talk to. And his social media, I have to tell you, is so entertaining to watch. If you don't follow him already, go do that. It's at Cody the Twirler, just C-O-D-Y the Twirler, all one word. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook. You can also go to CodyTheTwirler.com, and all of his socials and everything are linked there. Uh, but yeah, we have lots more to get onto this water break. So let's get right into it. Whitney is back. She's taking uh, some time to talk about downtime after one season is over and before the next one begins. So let me toss it to you, Whitney. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Wisdom with Whitney. I'm Whitney, and this week we are going to talk about transitioning from one season to the next. So now that Winter Guard and Indoor Drumline and Winds are all done, and we've been done for about two weeks, um, it is, of course, time, because there's no break, it is time to jump straight into drum corps and marching band. So what I'm currently doing right now is finishing, of course, end-of-year planning, taking off um, all the silks from Winter Guard season, breaking down props, 
doing inventory of everything, making sure silks and costumes are clean, and really just doing all of the end-of-season kind of things that we have to do every year. Um, also, just like with auditions and building a new team, um, it's just that like really interesting time of, hey, we just did all this awesome stuff, and now we basically have to start over again. Um, so I would just encourage everyone to take it slow. Don't put too much pressure on yourself right now. Make sure you're making good calls for yourself and all of your students, especially because no matter what, we should always be putting the students first. That should be our first priority is giving them a great education and a great experience. And um, do some self-reflecting on your past year. What, what do you feel that you could do better? What do you feel that you would like to um, have your students accomplish this year? What goals can you set for yourself? Do you want to be a better teacher? Do you want to try and sit down less while teaching or be kinder or be more exciting while you're teaching? There's so many things that we can all improve on. And the more you try and improve yourself as an adult, the more your students can open up and, and recognize that improvement in yourself and mirror that and want to be just like you. So I hope everybody has a fabulous um, beginning of the next season, Color Guard, New Year, Drum Corps, New Year, all of that. Good luck to everybody that is going to Drum Corps in a few weeks. We can't wait to see you out on the field. And everybody that's starting to plan for marching band season, just remember that the students are first, and that should always be your number one priority. Have a great week. Thanks, Whitney. So what's going on with everybody else's groups and whatnot? This is kind of like marching band downtime for us right now. Hey, we have a lot going on. You'll see a lot of college and university bands like really start to uh, get their auditions kind of like finalized, having audition camps, um, students from high school submitting like aud audition videos. And, you know, we're getting a lot of feedback and questions from students who are making decisions, the very important decision to continue their education and to use their talents to help them get to that next level of, of, of their academic career. And, and we're really excited about it here, particularly um, at our college, but I know it's happening all across the country and it's a really exciting time. And that's happening, uh, uh, Jackie, because we're upon the national signing day for people deciding where to go to college. That's why we're getting all these auditions in for oh, our for college sure. marching band. Like, it, like, it's so great. So, like, all these families are coming together, making the decisions about where their, their, their children are going to attend college or university. So, like, it's, it's awesome. It was a I great just, time. Oh, I remember that from whenever I was, like, going to college. As a senior in high school, like, going to my first college color guard audition, I was like, oh, this is going to be my life now. This is so different from what it was. I wish I, – I, if I could go back to one point, I that would be one of those, like – major core memories that would be awesome to relive what, what made you what, what was the one determining factor that that made you sign up to go to your particular college Jackie? actually oh, it had nothing to do with band completely i was a pre-veterinary student <laughs> and they are the number one vet school well they were at the time i don't know if they are now i don't know how the rankings are i haven't kept up but they were the number one veterinary school in our state and I think they were like number two in the country at the time so 
I was like, let's go to school there. And that's, that's why I decided to go to Mizzou when I did. And, uh, and then I didn't get into vet school. So it was like, I guess I'm glad I have this awesome backup opportunity with being in the marching band and being in color guard. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. So back again this week is our friends at the Drum Major Leadership Academy. They are going to be giving us some leadership and drum major tips each week. So take it away. The school year is quickly coming to an end, and that means that drum major, section leader, and band captain auditions are about to take place if they haven't already happened. With that in mind, it can be really stressful for auditioning student leaders to become nervous in their process. The interview, the conducting, and every other factor of those auditions brings a lot of pressure to prove ourselves. With that in mind, it's important to remember that as auditioning student leaders, our band directors and our band program overall wants to see us succeed. If you can go into the interview room after taking a deep breath and just remembering to be yourself, but be the best version of yourself, I promise that it's going to take a lot of pressure off of you, but also help you perform a lot better in your actual audition. Again, be yourself, but be the best version of yourself. Answer questions thoughtfully, but authentically and just continue to be a positive, servant-minded leader in all that you do, and you will do well. Best of luck in your auditions. We hope to work with you at this year's summer leadership camps. And if you have any questions or want help preparing, please feel free to reach out to the Drum Major Leadership Academy on social media at DMLA Training or by visiting our website, dmlatraining.com. Time to get our history lesson this week. Each week, the Marching Band Pageantry Arts Museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. And all through the 60s, even before that, obviously, because it, was, it kind of was a carryover. But in the 60s, going to a local show, you were happy. You had your starting line because you started on the goal line to your left as the crowd would look at you. And you exit on your end zone on the right. You were happy if you had yard line markers. There would be there was a line for the starting line. You had the sidelines because God forbid you go across the, the sidelines because it's a penalty. And you would be happy if you had a goal line, the 50 yard line, and the other goal line in the front and back sidelines. You very seldom had yard you had yard markers. No, you knew what size of step you were taking, and it would just lead up to the one year I remember us doing a 40 year 40 yard company front off the line. We learn it in a parking lot, bowling alley parking lot, how to do that. And we didn't worry about the lines. You just dressed the line to the center or just to the right, whichever the instructor or the designer wanted you to have it and how you did it. And that's where you started applying all the, the center wheels, the gate moves that you did and how it would all relate to what you taught. So when you learned to drill, you were pretty strict and you knew how to carry yourself and you knew how to carry your instrument a certain way. But yeah, it, it was much more, even more precise than what it is today. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. Thanks, Bill. That was great. I know Stephen and the folks over at the museum are working hard on their history podcast coming soon. So be on the lookout for that, folks. That's right, Trevor. And if you don't follow Drum Corps today on Instagram yet, you should. They are keeping us all up to date with everything that is going on in Drum Corps today. <laughs> so take it away, Jeremy. 
Hey everyone, Drumcore today with another Drumcore segment. First up, we have rehearsal camps that are coming out. This weekend, there are 13 camps lined up. Out West, Golden Empire has their camp in Bakersfield, California, from Saturday, May 6th to Sunday, May 7th. Vessel has their camp in San Dimas, California, from Saturday, May 6th to Sunday, May 7th. Gold has their camp in Eastvale, California, from Saturday, May 6th to Sunday, May 7th. Impulse has their camp in Gardena, California, on Sunday, May 7th. Pacific Crest has their camp in Diamond Bar, California, from Saturday, May 6th to Sunday, May 7th. And Troopers have their camp in Eaton, Colorado, from Friday, May 5th to Sunday, May 7th. Down south, Genesis has their brass and percussion camp in Bastrop, Texas, from Friday, May 5th to Sunday, May 7th. Music City has their camp in Franklin, Tennessee, from Friday, May 5th to Sunday, May 7th. Southwind has their camp in Spanish Fort, Alabama, from Friday, May 5th to Sunday, May 7th. Heatwave has their camp in Interlochen, Florida, from Friday, May 5th to Sunday, May 7th. And Impact has their camp in Orlando, Florida, on Sunday, May 7th. In the Northeast, Lestentors has their camp in Sherbrooke, Quebec, Canada, from Saturday, May 6th to Sunday, May 7th. And Spartans have their front ensemble and color guard camp in Nauscha, New Hampshire, on Saturday, May 6th. Next weekend, there are just six camps lined up. Out West, Blue Devils B has a camp in Concord, California, from Saturday, May 13th to Sunday, May 14th. Gold has a camp in Eastvale, California, from Saturday, May 13th to Sunday, May 14th. Golden Empire has a camp in Bakersfield, California, from Saturday, May 13th to Sunday, May 14th. Impulse has a camp in Gardena, California, on Saturday, May 13th. And Vessel has a camp in San Dimas, California, from Saturday, May 13th to Sunday, May 14th. Out East, Raiders have a camp in Salem, New Jersey, from Friday, May 12th to Sunday, May 14th. In addition to that, there have also been three more cores that have released their 2023 productions. The Cavaliers will be celebrating their 75th anniversary with their production, Where You'll Find Me. Spirit of Atlanta will be returning to the field with their production, Up, Down, and All Around. And the Cadets will be competing for a medal with their production, Atlas Rising. As of this week, there are 363 brass spots, 97 field percussion spots, 85 front ensemble spots, 404 color guard spots, 7 conductor spots, and 84 additional spots, ranging from team time to administrative intern positions, which comes out to over 1,000 more spots open waiting for you this summer. All of this information can be found on our Instagram page at Drumcore Today, and links to everything can be found in the link in our bio or at linktree slash Today. And stay tuned for more Drum Corps news. We have a major newsmaker up next. Ian Beltran is a choreographer and technician at Pegasus Winter Guard. He compiled all the scores for the independent world class throughout WGI history and found some really interesting data points. Check out this interview we did with him. Ian, thank you so much for joining us, but I would love to do something with you that we do with all of our guests here okay it's called your life story in 30 seconds so what we'll do is we'll count you off and then we'll get you started okay okay no problem all right here we go oh geez i'm nervous uh my name is ian Beltran. i'm a choreographer and technician based in orlando florida I was a performer with Timber Creek High School um, throughout my high school years. And then from 2020 and forward, I was with the Concord Blue Devils. And 
also since graduating. I have been a choreographer for some schools in Orlando and for Megan Swinnerhood. All right. <laughs> I was getting scared for you for a second there. <laughs> I was also getting nervous. With William R. Boone, Horizon, and East River, just to clarify the schools, I felt bad not mentioning them. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. That's cool. We can get it all in I've there. Never been, yeah, I've never been introduced by Pegasus before, I guess, my first year there. So I was like, oh, gosh. You know, it's like a kind of cool because, you know, it's like a thing I never really anticipated until recently. So it's exciting anyways. Nice. Oh, I did see Pegasus, uh, both open and world, um, during Winter Guard season or actually at world. So congratulations. I enjoyed both shows and your high school too. Um, it was at William Boone. Yeah, we did the, uh, the, uh, bipedalism show. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. But all three, very nice. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So the biggest reason we have you up here and like uh, I'm I'm a numbers person and I have a lot of my friends who are numbers people. And I think that most color guard people are numbers pers people because like we'll go back and look at things and how they line up. And first of all, you've compiled, oh, gosh, scores from how long? Um, from uh, WGI's first competitive season to uh, last year. How long did it take you to do this? Um, I'm not going to lie. The process itself it was more like uh, monotonous than it was laborious. It, was, uh, it, it probably took me about an hour, 15 minutes, maybe, total. An hour, 15 minutes. Okay. Well, great. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, I got a little shook when I saw where it started because the year that WJ started was the year that I was born. <laughs> so um yeah um so what are some i guess you could say um interesting things that you noticed when compiling these scores together so i primarily looked at world class um just because i was hoping to do all of the classes and then it took forever uh I was trying. I I compiled everything in Microsoft Excel, so I was trying to use like Excel functions to organize the data faster, and then like that did not work because uh, mm -hmm. I'm not the best at Excel. You know, I am mm -hmm. Excel certified, but uh, so I ended up having to do a lot of the data by hand, which is fine. Uh, you were asking what was like the interesting things that popped out to me. Yeah. So. Uh, one, uh, the one that popped out most to me, I was already aware that Blessed Sack had been in finals every year of their existence. Uh, but what was kind of interesting was the consistency of, like, how well they do. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe they've only won twice or three or four times. I'm not, like, I can't entirely remember off the top of my head. But they are quite literally for the past, you know, however many seasons, 40 seasons, uh, just always seem to be that like top eight range except for a few outlier years you know as of recent they're usually in that top five range so mm -hmm. that's one thing that stuck out to me uh another was uh what i, I was really i really did it because i was looking for the highest scores in each class yeah uh -huh. uh, and uh, at least the world class i didn't realize that only three groups had broken 99 uh which in the world class system is box six uh, which is like, you know, the everybody knows the box system or hopefully everybody knows who listens. Uh, and people think that box five is the highest class, but in the color guard uh, uh, 
sector of WGI, section of WGI. There actually is another box above box five. It is box six. I, it may just be for the world class, uh, but <clears throat> that's that score from 99 to 100. And there's no uh, descriptors like there is normally for the other cap, uh, for the other like little sub mm-hmm. captions, if you want to call it that. It is every single one literally just says that's the standards. So only three groups have consistently been in box six for each caption. Uh, that would be, excuse me, that would be Blue Devils, uh, Winter Guard in 1996, which is the highest scoring show, uh, and then Fantasia in 2008, and Onyx in 2014, who is the most recent one to kind of uh, hit that, achieve that mark. Ah, oh, that's amazing. I do remember, well, I was, I remember seeing the one in 2014. Um, the... Blue Devil show in 1996, um, when I started Color Guard, um, (laughs) you you know, people sit you down and, like, make you watch videos, and they're like, this is the standard. This is the best thing you ever watch. And so, yeah, Yeah. all right, this is great. Um, I didn't realize uh, it was a 99.55. No one's ever gotten that high. And, you know, I'm shook to see that when it actually happens again. Um, When I'm looking at final appearances and like you just talked about that, how Blessed Sacrament has been up there, uh, Pride of Cincinnati, Fantasia, Emerald Marquis. And, you know, you see those iconic winter guards, you know, Emerald Marquis still to me is one of the most iconic winter guards out there. Um, yeah. Like I can still go back and look at certain like psychedelic hoedown and. um Right. And the Malaguena show, all of those uh, were great. And then you look at the ones that are, you know, you know, still there, like Blessed Sacrament, still working. Um, Pride of Cincinnati, still working. Fantasia, still working. And then, um, oh, man, San Jose, you know, um, there's a bunch that we see. Now, going back in the day, though, like there are ones that I you know, have heard about, and I'm just like, oh, I totally remember these, you know, remember the names and seeing them on videos. It's just like, okay, because like, um, back in the day, a lot of the winter guards that made finals were also in cahoots with, or in collaboration with drum course. Yeah. So that was a, that, that was a huge thing. So I know that like Cavaliers, Phantom Regiment, um, gosh, uh, I think. Brown, Blue Devils. Yes. Oh man, Crown. Oh, I remember when they graced the scene. Man. Yeah, Blue coats most recently. Blue coats most recently. Yes. And I love. I mean, I love seeing those collaborations with people, and then like seeing it being put in front of our faces of how they do. Um, yeah. You know, it's really great. So, I mean, are you thinking about going back and doing like the other classes? Uh, I, I actually. I have all of the other classes, like everything is all in the original file. I just posted on the color guard quarter. Okay. I just posted independent world, but I actually do have all of the data for all of the classes. Like I did it all at once. Uh, I just didn't do like uh, an analysis for all of them because like I said, I kind of did it by hand. And mm-hmm. uh, that's really probably what took the most time was uh, going through and like tallying everything and all that jazz. <laughs> But I do have, like, a larger file that has every single class and score out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I intend to, like, go back and post 
information about the other ones, just out of, you know, out of curiosity, out of interest, uh, mostly for myself, but, you know, for any other numbers, people who uh, found it interesting. I do. Because it is. Yeah, it is. Definitely is. And it makes you really, you know, think back to some groups like, oh, man, I'm looking at this right now, like 1997 and like just class, man. <laughs> like, Yeah. They were um, when I first started out, that was the that was the world class guard in my circuit. Yeah, we could see a lot of and I was just like, oh, and um, yeah, I March Patriot. So seeing them, I was like, oh, yeah, I was in that. <laughs> these are my years. <laughs> oh, these are so great. I mean, yeah. and like I said, like there are a lot of like number nerds um, out there yeah. who uh honestly we're are gonna be like you know thank you for this i thank you for this because i think that this <laughs> is <laughs> something to look at and just like oh yeah them that show oh because yeah. this will make you go back and look at hey what did they do that year what yeah. you know what did they do so wow awesome well ian i really appreciate you giving us the time to like you know come on and talk about this and Honestly, I'm looking forward to when you post the other ones so I can just like have my own little, you know, I guess you could say uh, this is kind of like my self-care thing. So I can take a look at it and then go see the show and then come back and look at it again. And, you know, we can all since we don't have the the DVDs anymore, you know, yeah, go back and watch them. This is a good way for us to go and look that up if it's on YouTube, you know, cross fingers crossed. Yeah. Which so, I think is like a side tangent, but. I do miss the DVD system uh, just because it was a great way to archive a lot of those shows. Mm -hmm. Another project that uh, I have a couple things I want to do, just like for myself mostly, uh, but I would love to kind of compile as many DVDs as possible and like archive them somewhere online. I know that uh, I know that copyright is a huge issue. That's kind of why we don't do DVDs right now. On top of like nobody buys DVDs anymore, but. I uh, would love to get an archive of all the old DVDs just so we have at least all the group's finals uh, or even the VHSs for the older shows. Right. And uh, what exists right now that I think would be interesting to like use is there's a, there's like AI technology used to uh, increase or improve the quality of like older or lower quality video. Mm -hmm. I think it would be interesting to try to use that technology and like update some of the older video and see if it looks any better. I'm not sure how well it works, but I saw some examples with some other older film footage that was restored to higher quality using that technology. I thought it'd be interesting if we could get like a State Street review video, like oh. brought to where you can see it, you know. Oh, that would be standard. amazing with AI. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the next thing. I believe that would yeah. be the next thing. Oh my gosh. Well, Again, Ian, thank you so much. We completely appreciate it. And oh, like can't wait for to see what else um or to see the next uh data that you put out so we can have our own. <laughs> All right. So okay, who has the first story? Trevor? I have the first news story. It's it's brought to us by Sarah Martinez. It's entitled Marching in Fiesta Events. It's a special experience for San Antonio Band Geeks. Now, Sarah Martinez writing this article is immediately a, a band geek herself, just like a bunch of us are who are doing this podcast and are awesome listeners. 
So uh, Sarah throughout the article talks about how this this 10-day party, this fiesta of, of band events are, are occurring down in San Antonio and active in all these uh, different San Antonio schools. Um, the 10-day party brings a number of events throughout the city. Among the most popular events, guys, the Battle of the Flowers and Fiesta Flabu Parades. Eh, maybe my uh, pronunciation is a little bit <laughs> off, but that's okay. They, they know what I'm talking about. So members of the marching bands um, from San Antonio high schools, they get together to experience uh, Fiesta in the most lively of ways. Uh, many performing together at the Battle of the Flowers Band Festival. Uh, the quote-unquote first and oldest marching band festival in the United States, oh, wow. uh, which celebrates its 85th year this uh, Thursday, April the 27th. So they just celebrate their 85th year of doing this this fiesta, guys. That's so amazing. Um, uh, we have schools participating in it, like O'Connell High School, where Alfonso um, Alvarado uh, uh, speaks about his band's journey to uh, get to the parade, their preparation, um, he, how much it is an essential element of what they do every year and how much their students enjoy it um, at their high school at Sandra Day O'Connor High School, uh, where he is the director of bands and how he talks about it just being a great uh, multicultural event for their organization. Um, he goes on to say, uh, quote, Fiesta is a wonderful activity that definitely brings a lot of the culture to our kids to and to our students. Um, Fiesta is an opportunity for us to celebrate our city and celebrate our cultures. It's so important that students uh, get this opportunity, in my opinion, uh, to celebrate this 10-day Fiesta. And you should definitely look up more about it, folks. It's, it's a really uh, exciting uh, thing to uh, know about. And if you want to start something like that in your community, I think that you can use uh, this uh, particular festival as a uh, guideline to maybe bring in more culture, multicultural um, experiences to your students. Yeah, especially so clearly it's something check that out. works. <laughs> Definitely works. It brings people together. There's music, there's fun, there's camaraderie, there's community engagement. What more can you ask for when you're talking about, you know, the arts bringing people together? I have another news story all the way from Frisco, Texas. Uh, the Braswell High School Band did their service project uh, this past month. The Be Well Band, they helped provide food to the Fast Packs organization in Frisco, Texas. The band was happy to give back to a local charity for kids in need. The Brassville Band is more than just a program filled with kids putting together music. They are a group willing to share the love and support to their community. So be well forever. I think it's so great whenever whenever bands take part in their community because a lot of things that are part of public schools sometimes feel completely cut off from the rest of the world and the area that they live in. And, and for you know, marching bands to be able to like go out and be part of the community. They're not just like, Oh, we went to all these competitions and got all these great scores, but they're actually participating in their community too is so, so good for these kids. And it's so great for the community too. So we've been talking about DCI quite a bit on this uh, podcast and I know there's more coming for sure. So Tom, why don't you uh, take our next news story since it's DCI? 
Yeah, right. Outdoor outdoor stuff. Bugle van on the field. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's that time of year where where DCI Drum Corps International recognizes uh, a couple individuals and, uh, that just have given so much of themselves to the activity uh, over the years. Uh, and this year they've picked two two really amazing individuals for the Hall of Fame: uh, uh, Gino Capriani and Dave Glide. Um, if you don't know those guys, you've probably been under a rock then. <laughs> they, Gino was Blue Devils and Cadets and now Boston Crusaders. Uh, Dave Glide has been the genius behind Blue Devils percussion for so long. Um, so worthy of, of being uh, 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 put in the Hall of Fame. That's, it's such a, such a great thing for those two people. Very cool. Very exciting. <laughs> The thing I the thing I want to I just want to give a quick shout out to my buddies because I've had the privilege of working both with Gino Cipriani and Dave Glide and, and the marching arts field. I consider myself very lucky. Gino has you know demanded and achieved high levels of success no matter where he where he has gone. And man, Gino is very deserving of this award. Um, you know I had the pleasure of working with him on, on as a part of his staff when he was with the cadets. Just amazing human being, a master teacher. And someone who demands excellence if you're around him. Um, and Dave, I've worked with Dave like some, on some indoor drum drumline and, and design um, um, shows uh, with him in the Nevada area. Dave is an amazing human being, great family man, amazing educator, as you said. And just shout out to Gino and, and Dave for, for this accomplishment. It's huge. Um, it's it's a small it's a small community of DCI Hall of Famers, and it's great to know. That those two individuals are added to to that small family. So congratulations to those two. Well deserved. Yeah, I mean, you want to have a good read? Just just pull up either one of their their bios, and and you'll have a good time. <laughs> I love that we are such a small like that. Marching arts is such like a small community that that you don't have to reach far that you're going to find somebody who's connected to everybody, you know, and just the fact that Trevor, you have that connection and, and whatnot. I feel like every single time something new comes up, it's like, Oh yeah, I, somebody knows somebody. And it's, that's, I love that. I love that about us. So ex yeah, that is a neat thing about the arts. It's always, uh, what is it? Three degrees. Oh yeah. Way <laughs> shorter. It's way shorter than the, uh, the Kevin Bacon amount. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now at, at this part you have to have a Kevin Bacon like um, image pop up. So cue Kevin Bacon um, image, Jeremy. Boom, there it is. Bam. Bacon. Everybody can just envision Kevin Bacon, specifically in the Footloose dance warehouse dance scene. I, you know what? Yeah. We have a warehouse. I, we should we should recreate that with Spintronics members. <laughs> Uh, so let's expand out a little bit. Ashley, what have you got going on in the twirling news? Just wanted to share what's happened over the past weekend and what's soon to come. Uh, this past weekend, there were uh, majorette tryouts at the University of Alabama for the Crimsonette line. Um, if you've ever seen them, they're part of the Million Dollar Band at University of Alabama. And they normally are known for their two-piece costumes with their big poofy hair and their red and, uh, red and white striped batons. Um, so congratulations to those who made the line this year. 
Um, there's also tryouts for the Golden Girls at the University of Delaware this weekend, this Saturday. Um, there were also a couple competitions this weekend, one of them being the All East competition, which is at the Wildwood Convention Center, which is where TIA championships are going to be this weekend. The competition was run by Brian Damaris and Cindy DeVazio. They had Miss Major of America there, Ella McDaniel, and also College Miss Major of America there, Emma Carr, to um, host the competition, as well as Grand National Twirling Champion Kylie Cates as well. There were also Ohio State University drum majors chosen, uh, which are Clayton Callender and Josh Ford. Um, they're not quite twirlers, but if you've ever seen the Ohio State drum majors do their thing with the maces, it's pretty similar to twirling. And we'll be back next week with more twirling news. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you so much to our hosts, Tom, Trevor, Stephen, and Ashley. Thank you so much for calling in Whitney and Cindy, as well as Bill from at marching underscore pageantry underscore arts underscore museum. Joshua from the Drum Major Leadership Academy at DMLA Training, and Jeremy from at Drum Corps Today. Thank you so much for uh, Cody Carter coming and being on the show. You can follow him at Cody the Twirler. Once again, C-O-D-Y the Twirler, all one word. Go subscribe, write us a review, share this with a friend. Follow us on all of our social media at On a Water Break, all one word. We will see you at the next rehearsal on a water break. Go practice. <laughs> <laughs>